Hi, friends. It's Lara. Before we jump into the episode, I want to take a moment to thank you for being here and to remind you that your support is what makes this podcast possible. As podcasts have moved from being independently produced, like this one, to being produced by more big media companies, it's become a lot harder for us independent producers to raise money from sponsors. We simply don't reach as many ears as shows produced by iHeartMedia or Spotify. And so listener support is even more important now than it's ever been. So if you're finding value in the show, we'd be grateful if you supported it by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash she knows the way. You can buy us as many coffees as you'd like. And by coffees, I mean dollars to allow us to keep producing this show for you. Again, that URL is buymeacoffee.com slash she knows the way. You can hit pause right now and head on over there. We'll wait. And thanks. And then it's like, and then where do, do I, do I get to do something? Do I get to make a decision in the middle of all this? That's what I kind of hear when I say, well, does it even matter? If I were her therapist, I might say, I don't know. Do you matter? Do you think that you get to matter in the middle of all of this? Because you do. Hi, I'm Lara Dolch, and you're listening to She Knows the Way, a show about deciding what's next when doing what's expected no longer feels right. I don't know about you, but making decisions still feels hard. Not the everyday decisions like, do I want my coffee black or with milk? Although sometimes even that sends me down a rabbit hole. The decisions I still struggle with are the ones that feel bigger, like, do I want to take on this project? Or do I want to move? In 2020, we heard a lot about decision fatigue. Our brains were tired because of the constant tiny decisions we had to make about safety. But after two years, shouldn't we be better at making choices after all that practice? Kimberly Diggles says no. I've only had two years of ever trying to figure out where's my mask, for example, or ever tried to figure out like, how many feet apart am I standing from somebody? <laughs> my brain has only had to do that for two years. That's a baby, a two-year-old, right? So you add like the exhaustion that your brain is under with that kind of stuff, and then say, okay, now try to do some real big problem solving and decision making, and energy and resources are depleted. But Kimberly offers a new way to think about making decisions now. One that may make you feel like a superhero. Kimberly Diggles is a marriage and family therapist in Long Beach, California. So her professional training has equipped her to understand what's actually been going on in our brains for the last two years. When your body is in survival mode, it starts to think about, okay, what functions do we need the most, right? We need like the basic survival ones. So like trying to decide <laughs> where you're going to move or what house you're going to buy. Yeah, our body's like, we'll figure that out later. We have to send all of our resources to breathing, living, <laughs> um, the basic things. So no, it is empirically true that in times of stress, um, like executive functioning, thinking, suffer. We know that, right? We know that. I don't think we've ever thought about it. Well, what happens if, if the body is stressed for two straight years? <laughs> what happens right. to executive functioning? 
So that's no, what get, I'm wondering. Yeah, it gets empirically, it does. It gets empirically worse because um, you're, you're tired, you're exhausted. Your brain's having to make decisions that it never had to make before. It's no longer living on autopilot. When I tell people, like, if you're having a hard time making a decision, step one is cut yourself some slack. You're not losing your mind. Something's not wrong with you. There's a reason that's happening. I have clients who say, well, that just sounds like an excuse. I'm like, call it whatever you want. It's real. <laughs> I could yeah. hook you up to an MRI machine right now. We'd see it happening. So Life just still feels really heavy mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. We're recording this right after the mass shooting in Buffalo. Yeah. I, I wonder how you're framing this for yourself and for the people that you work with about moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, the word grace and mercy has made its way into my vocabulary way more than it ever did. I I grew up in a pretty religious home, a Christian home. And so these words, grace and mercy, were sort of always part of the the talk, at least until two years ago, I, used, I thought of those words as words that I would read in the Bible or that we talk about at church and didn't ever stop much to pay attention to what they actually meant. And so it's interesting that in the last couple of years, even though I don't necessarily consider myself a super religious person, I've come back to those words and really been like, oh, that's what that word means. Had to have grace for yourself and for others. It, it, it leaves room for, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay sometimes. It's okay to not have moved forward. It's okay that your best isn't what it was three years ago. A lot of my clients are really smart, successful women who part of the reason they are so successful in whatever career or life path they've chosen is because they are really good at pushing through and doing it anyway. And they're finding like, oh, it's not working. (laughs) It's not working now. For Kimberly, one way that grace for herself showed up was with a unique pandemic obsession. During the pandemic, people were like making sourdough bread and TikTok dances. I was, I watched Marvel. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know much about Marvel at all until like April, 2020. And, and just kind of developed a small obsession with like, it started off like, I'm going to watch all the movies in order. Um, and I was hooked. I was hooked. In my personal experience, I do feel like I was able to be gentler with myself and my expectations when COVID hit. But lately, I've noticed my expectations have leveled back up. Almost like the grace I'd been allowing myself came with a secret expiration date. I'm guessing this might be true for a lot of us who are wired to keep moving forward, no matter what we've lost in the past few years. What if rebuilding our lives, I mean, whatever that means feels harder than we thought and given what we've just been talking about and like our brains are still tired whether we want to call that an excuse or not it's the reality how do we shift the way we're thinking to maybe look for new opportunities or I, I don't know one thing we know about humans is that moving forward is never easy unless there's been space and time to grieve what you're moving from And sometimes people try to rush through that. You can't productively grieve. Like we can't like put that same sort of sense of urgency on grieving. You have to be sad. You have to think about the loss and talk about the loss and let yourself and your mind and your body feel that because it's real. And your body's not going to want to move forward. Your mind's not going to want to seek out the new ways and, and be creative until it has grieved the loss. I think people sometimes misunderstand or think that, well, if I'm grieving the loss and that means I'm not going to be able to accept the new and I say, well, no, it's not binary like that. You can do both. 
just because you're grieving something doesn't mean you're not grateful for the new stuff. And, and I think that piece is really important. No, I think that's right. And I guess it feels like, again, shouldn't we be over it by now? I think that's what keeps coming up. But we've been grieving for two years or like, you know what I mean? Like, why is it not, <laughs> why is it not over yet? We've been grieving for two years, but new stuff keeps happening. Do you know, you know what I mean? When I yeah. work with people who have experienced trauma and we're trying to do some of the healing work, one of the questions I always ask and one of the things I always assess for is, is the trauma over? You address trauma so differently when it's still happening. Because if the trauma is not yet over, if you're still in it, then we're going to have to come at this in a different way. And so when people say, well, we should be over it. We've been healing for two years. It's like, kind of, but not really, because it's been, it's still happening. It was still happening for, some would argue it's still happening. Like we're still in the middle of it. Even as people were trying to heal and to come to some kind of resolution or recognize acceptance, it was still happening. So I think that's part of it when people say, well, shouldn't it be over it? It's like, nope, you shouldn't. <laughs> you should not. It's okay. Here's a question that a listener, I think she summed this up really well. I asked, what's hard about making decisions right now? And she said, the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that most decisions feel very unimportant in the grand scheme of things sometimes. Mm. Like the world is going up in flames. So I'm almost paralyzed when thinking about what to do with my life or I should be doing more at work, et cetera. Because no matter what I decide, it just feels like it doesn't matter. And which mm -hmm. kind of breaks my heart. And also, like, I get it. So that makes me think, how do we learn to live with this? Are we ever going to function in the way that we did, quote unquote, in the before times? <laughs> the you before, know, as like, in BC, will we adjust? I, I guess where I kind of keep coming back to is that the COVID, like COVID-19 was something, at least in our lifetime, that was really, really, that was unique. <laughs> I won't say that it's the first, it's not the first time in the world that something like this happened, but for our lifetime, it was really unique. And then a, a lot of other things have also happened in the last couple of years that aren't, like they've been happening and we've been making our decisions and living our lives and doing our, you know, things that feel trivial or don't feel, we've been, we've been doing that in the midst of you know, racial violence and, and wars in other countries, right? I don't know if it's like a guilt. Like, so your listener kind of had that question. I don't know if there's, I'd want to kind of explore that. Like, well, what is it? You say, when she says it feels, it all feels trivial. I would want to dig into that. Like what feels trivial? Like the decision itself, the space that you are allowed to take up in the world. When you say, oh my gosh, there's so much going on in the world. Am I allowed to take up space in this? My answer is yes, of course, of course you are allowed to take up space. Like this isn't, there's, there's no limit of space. Take up space. There can be a war happening in Ukraine and you still get to take up space. So that's where I would want to dig in on that because I do think that as, as all this stuff is happening and, and it's like, oh my gosh, do I get to do something? Do I get to make a decision in the middle of all this? That's what I kind of hear when I say, well, does it even matter? If I were her therapist, I might say, look, look I don't know, do you, do you matter? Do you think that you get to matter in the middle of all of this? Because you do. And maybe sometimes that gets lost when like the whole world <laughs> is experiencing a collective trauma. You start to then compare your stuff with everybody else's. And, and, and I think women do a really good job about, of this, of like saying, well, mine isn't as important when it is. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Kimberly tells us how she makes big decisions and how her quarantine obsession led her to a surprising new strategy. 
Hey, it's Laura. I wanted to quickly pop in to tell you that I'm keeping my ears open for individuals and organizations who want help launching their podcast. As you may have guessed, my team and I specialize in developing and producing podcasts that amplify the stories of women and their allies. Shows like this one, She Knows the Way, and like Black Her Stories. But we're also open to working with any mission-driven individual or organization that wants to use audio storytelling to captivate, educate, and inspire their audience. If that sounds like you or someone you know, visit laradolch.com for more information on our podcast strategy and production services. Welcome back. Before the break, Kimberly answered a question from a listener who feels that next to the massive stakes of world events right now, her personal decisions seem trivial. Kimberly's answer, you're allowed to take up space. Your decisions are not trivial, even with terrible things happening elsewhere. For me personally, that same world on fire feeling that our listener mentioned in her question, it's been kind of freeing for me somehow. Like, the decisions I used to think were so important just aren't anymore. It's not that I'm afraid to take up space with my decisions. It's more that I've gotten clear about which ones actually matter. You can get sort of bogged down and like, oh my gosh, I I have to make the right decision. This is the end-all be-all if I don't make it right. And and, and that can feel overwhelming. And for me, it, it, it took some of that pressure off to just say, Kim, what is important? What is important to you? And then make the decision that leads you towards that direction. Kimberly says that choosing who was in her pandemic pod during quarantine, the few people that she would hang out with in person, was good practice for using her values as a way to shortcut decisions. And it was like, okay, here are the five people that I trust who have shown up for me and I show up for them. And and everything outside of that, it relieved the pressure of having to say, well, sorry, I can't hang out with you. I can't come to your kid's birthday party because I got this pod and I'm accountable to this pod. And so I think values are kind of the same. And it was like, look, I don't have an infinite amount of mental capacity. So I have three things that are important. I have three values. And that's what I lean towards. And everything else, I, I had to tell myself, Kim, you don't have the capacity to be moving towards all of them. You just don't. I'm guessing that some of you can relate to setting boundaries aligned with your values over the last few years, whether that was people in your bubble, your personal mask guidelines, or anything else. And even when those boundaries make things easy, the conversations around them can be hard. Kimberly gained some deep perspective on this particular kind of hard when her values prompted a move from Texas to Minneapolis to pursue her Ph.D., I spent a good portion of those years really, really unhappy. And I'll tell people that and they'll say, well, do you regret the decision? And I'll say, no, I don't regret the decision. Was it painful? It was really painful. However, if I hadn't experienced that pain, then there are things I would not have learned about myself that I would not be where I am. or I wouldn't have the values that I have right now if I hadn't experienced that. And so I think this other idea when it comes to decision making. I think people are afraid to experience pain. Understandably, it doesn't feel good, (laughs) right? We're wired as humans to not want to feel pain. But then I also say, let's back up and let's talk about why you're scared to feel pain. Because sometimes pain is necessary. Discomfort, maybe I shouldn't, discomfort is, is necessary. Discomfort, anxiety, 
those things are necessary. And if we spend our lives trying to make the decision that's gonna minimize the discomfort, one of my values is growth. And so sometimes we need to lead into that. And so I think sometimes people get paralyzed by what's the decision that's gonna cause the least amount of pain? <laughs> what's, the, what's gonna cause the least amount of discomfort? And I don't know that's always the best way to make decisions. What's a different question you would ask yourself? Again, going back to those values. Because sometimes we do things that are in line with our values and it doesn't feel good. There are times when I say no to things and it doesn't feel good to say no. Like I want to I want to say yes, right? I get all the, I get these emails and they say, "Kim, can you do this? Can you help us with this?" And I'm like, "Oh, that sounds so fun. I would love to help you with that." And meanwhile, I'm like, "But Kim, also, you're not getting much sleep these days. You haven't seen your friends in a, in a while." Okay, I have to say no. I have to say no to that really cool sounding thing because because you're right, I need to rest, you know? One thing I want to call out here. Kimberly says that our top three values or priorities might change over time. A few weeks from now, we might decide to revisit them and move things around. And that's okay. For Kimberly, the three things at the top of her list right now are physical health, relationships, and service. And her favorite way to support her physical health? Like taking naps. I never used to take naps. I right? love a good nap. Oh, I, I love them so much now. Oh, I will take a nap. I might take a nap after this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was always sort of like you wake, once you wake up, you're up and you don't stop. You don't rest until you're done. Right. You don't rest until the day is over. Whereas now it's like, Kim, you're tired. You're tired. It's OK. Sit down. Close your eyes. It's fine. No judgment. <laughs> So it turns out that making values-based decisions sometimes does feel good, like a great nap. But they're not always straightforward to make. It's what sounds simple, but it's a bunch of these things that sound really simple. And I was surprised. I think people are surprised how hard they actually are. I told a client the other day, I said, have you ever just done nothing? And she didn't understand what that meant. This is a woman who was like PhD and works at like <laughs> really prestigious university and does all this research. And when I said, have you ever just done nothing? She had no idea what I was talking about. I have to say that's so relatable. So many of us move through life as if we're superhuman, as if doing nothing isn't even an option. Which brings me back to Kimberly's favorite kind of superhuman, the ones in the Marvel universe. I'm curious which Marvel character you most identify with. Uh, I'm a Tony Stark fan. I, I'm, nice. a, I, I'm a Tony Stark fan. I love, I think, you know, I think more people understand Tony Stark now, but I think Tony Stark was one of those who was like on the outside. He seemed prickly and abrasive, but I always knew. I knew from day one, I said, no, no, I get, I see him. I see you, Tony Stark. I know what that is. I know that, I know that's your protection because I know deep down you're super sensitive and maybe because I saw myself <laughs> in Tony Stark a little bit. And at the end of the day, what is Tony Stark? I mean, no spoilers, but he sacrifices himself, right? Despite how, how prickly and sarcastic and and stuff he can be at the end of the day when it came down to it, he, to protect the people he loved the most, he, he gave himself which, you know, respect. It's so funny talking about decision-making. I have a client who at one point in time was really paralyzed by a tough decision she had to make and was terrified of making the wrong decision. What does that even mean? Wrong decision, right? And so I had her, she really loved Marvel. And I said, okay, so your homework assignment is I want you to imagine yourself and all the different multiverses. 
and play out each of the decisions. Like <laughs> what yourself in a different universe, let's say that they went left instead of right. What does it look like? And then put yourself in another universe. And and she loved it. She came back and she's like, okay, I've played this out in all the different multiverses. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I love it. <laughs> do you ever do that for yourself? <laughs> oh, do I picture myself in different universes? Um, Kind of, sometimes, kind of, right? And it's actually a fun a fun game to play. It sort of reminds me, at least, for a lot of things, I don't think there is this idea of a right or wrong answer. I think there are answers or decisions that we make that lead us towards different, on different paths. And sometimes those paths can be painful and sometimes they can be peaceful. I don't know that there's like wrong decisions because I, I always, I even tell, I tell myself this, I tell my clients this, I tell the people that I supervise. I said, a lot of decisions that you'll make if you start off on that path and it, it starts to feel painful, we can always talk about why is it painful? Because not all pain is bad. Sometimes pain is growing. It's a growing pain. Or you, guess what? You're always allowed to change your mind. You can change your mind. So let's not get stuck in this idea that this is the decision <laughs> that's going to determine everything. Because those decisions aren't, aren't like that. And so I think that sometimes people yeah. get stuck in that too of trying to predict, well, what's the consequence of this going to be in 10 years? You can't predict that. No better than you can predict what yourself is doing in a different multiverse, <laughs> right? Like make the decision, organize it around your values, and then let's see how it plays out and let's see what next decision we need to make after that. I tell people, I say, be very careful. Move a little slower. If we can move a little slower, then it gives yourself time to think through and be curious and not to say you don't come to the same decision that you would have, but just, I tell my clients all the time, just be careful with yourself today, you know? It's okay if you're gonna just move a little bit slower. So sometimes there are days when I'm like, Kim, you have time. It's okay, you have time. <laughs> Imagining ourselves as Marvel superheroes and allowing our decisions to play out in different multiverses, this might be the best decision-making strategy I've ever heard. The very nature of the exercise makes us curious and slows us down because it takes time to build worlds. Maybe taking our time and relaxing into our imaginations as we consider our future is our most productive path forward. Special thanks to Kimberly Diggles for speaking with us for this episode. If you'd like to connect with Kimberly, you can find her at her website, drdiggles.com. That's drdiggles.com. She Knows the Way will be back in three weeks. We'll hear from Adrienne Grenzella Larson about what purpose work serves for each of us and how to reevaluate its role in our lives over time. I think one of the assumptions that I have made is that what I value from work has to be set in stone. I have to figure out whether I value freedom or flexibility or stability or creativity or interesting projects and interesting people. What are my work values? The more time goes on, the more I have realized how much those do and really should shift based on what's going on in life. This episode of She Knows the Way was produced and edited by me with help from Jennifer McCord. For more episodes, hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening right now. And if you'd like to stay in touch, email us at hello at laradolch.com to tell us which Marvel superhero you most identify with. Finally, if you know someone who could use help making a decision, please send this episode their way. 
Until next time, trust that you know the way.